Welcome to the Living Out Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Steele. Now, I help people let go of what's holding them back to live out the best of who they are, using their unique gifts to make the world a better place. The topics on the podcast range from personal growth to social justice and LGBTQ issues, and sometimes all three come together at once. And picking up on that combination of all three things, I'm going to be expanding upon the last episode, which is called Forgiveness and Self-Acceptance of Internalized Homophobia, episode 39. And I spoke about that or expanded about that in an actual written post, which I called From Sissy Boys to Straight Acting Gay Men. So I started out, and this is not really a part one or a part two, it's it's a deeper continuation and investigation into this aspect of how forgiveness and self-acceptance um, for gay men is a way for us to you know, fully come out of the closet, embrace who we are as gay men to better understand sort of this gap, this role we play, this the gap in the sense of how we can embrace the positive qualities of, of both the masculine and the feminine characteristics and identities and how we can help lead other men, other straight men that may gravitate towards the extreme toxic side of masculinity, which becomes like toxic manhood and, and violence and aggression, and how we can bridge that gap between men and women and be leaders as men to show how we can lead with the positive aspects of what are called masculine traits while also existing or supporting and living within the foundations of the positive feminine qualities as well. So if you haven't listened to that post, I would definitely or that episode or read that post, I would go back and check those two things out. This episode is going to stand alone but they tie together very well. And I'm calling this one how my parents influenced my gay male identity because I'm going to tell my story in relation to all of this because each of us is unique. Each of us grew up in a unique experience that helped form us and all of the things that make up your your adolescence and all of the surroundings and your environment influence who you are. And then as we become adults and we can think more for ourselves and make choices and, and, and assess um, what happened to us in the past and what that means to us now and how we're going to live with that, accept that, get over it and move forward. In adulthood, we can start having these com- conversations about our similarities, what connects us, and our individual gifts, our individual strengths that we can bring to, to I guess, a greater collective and how we can work together as gay men, but also in improving humanity from a social justice perspective and a human and humane rights perspective for all LGBTQ people. Whew, that was kind of like a mouthful, wasn't it? I feel like I'm on fire with this topic at the moment, um, how things have been opening up for me, and it's just, I appreciate if you're listening, letting me go deep into some of my own history as a way to reveal how I am understanding what all of this means and how we, you and I, can apply this to our own lives 
and, and go forward. So let me get into it. How do we learn who we become? You know, our first and our strongest influence is going to be our parents. They teach us everything. We look up to them. Everything they tell us, we believe to be true. And, you know, there's no perfect template for parenting or for being a child, for that matter. And the dynamics of family and parenting are influenced by so many factors. So there's level of education, the amount of love you receive and and how you receive it, compassion, the economics of the family situation or where you live, religion, location, um, stability between your parents, your mother and father, and whether or not you were raised by a single parent or a guardian, maybe a grandmother or an aunt or an uncle. So the truth is that If both of your parents were, let's say, straight, because yes, there are definitely parents where one or both were gay, or one turned out to be later in life gay, your parents had a unique makeup, a unique balance, and sometimes tension between the masculine and the feminine characteristics that influence who you grew up to be and who I grew up to be. Now, I look back and think I was very fortunate to grow up with two loving and very supportive parents. Not everybody had that. You know, and I was taught that, or sorry, I was never taught that I had the option to be gay or straight or anything else. That that didn't exist in that sort of vocabulary or in that social world when I grew up outside of the, the Toronto area, born in 1965 and in the 70s. That was not a dialogue that my family had or any family I knew about had. It it never entered into my consciousness. But it was also never discussed in a negative way in the home. Sure, at school I heard people calling other people names that somehow felt like it was an attack against who I was and made me feel afraid and ashamed. But I don't ever recall my parents saying something negative about homosexuality or gay men. But I also wasn't taught by my parents that I had to act in a particular way. I don't think I necessarily exhibited any kind of behavior that may have labeled me the sissy boy. I was just naturally somewhere in the middle of those two characteristics between the masculine and the feminine. Now, when I look back at how my parents raised me, and and who they are now even. My assessment of my parents and their masculine and feminine energetic balance comes with its own baggage. So whatever I describe, of course, is directly associated with how I was raised and any conscious and still unconscious shame and judgment that I may have. I would actually label my father as a gentle masculine type. Now, to me, he appeared to just go with the flow. He was quieter, he was unassuming, and he was supportive. Whereas my mother, I want to label as like a frustrated feminine. And by that, I don't mean anything negative. I think that she struggled with being forced into the role of what a woman should be by her own parents and the generation she grew up in. 
So, you know, before I was born, she would have been, you know, a teenager in the 50s and then just coming into her 20s in the 60s. And it's not that my mother wasn't feminine or ladylike in any way. She was. She looked the part. She dressed the part. But I believe she struggled with being pigeonholed into that role of your stay-at-home mom. And my parents got married in October, and then I was born in the following November. So it didn't take that long to get busy and for them to just start having to have a family, right? Now, my mom went to teacher's college after she finished high school. But I think like many women women of her generation, it's almost like post-secondary education was a, a way to fill time until the woman got married and started to raise children. Now, even though my parents seemed to fulfill their respective gender roles as, you know, father and mother, and what that meant to me as a child at that time, they either consciously or unwittingly taught me the best of both worlds. My mother taught me how to clean the house, how to make the bed, how to do the laundry, how to sew a button, how to use a sewing machine, how to fix tears and clothing, how to cook, how to go get groceries, um, and actually how to care for other people because she did some volunteer work with uh, the aged and some palliative care. My father taught me how to fix things. He, he was a mechanic by trade, and he showed me how to fix electronics, how to do woodworking, how to dig holes and pour concrete. We, we built a deck together. Um, I was taught how to do the outdoor landscaping. And we planted a massive tree in, in the front of the house. We got into the attic and laid insulation. He showed me how to actually change light fixtures without having to turn off the power how to change a tire on my car, how to change the brake line when I accidentally wrecked it going over a medium, you know, and, you know, how to rough it. We would go to Algonquin Park, a beautiful uh, provincial park in northern Ontario, how to catch fish, fish and fillet fish, which I hated, how to cook outside, open an open fire. But the funny thing is that... My father never taught me how to play sports. Now, I know my dad took up golf, I think, when he moved into management, and that's sort of what you did, right? You played, you did business on the golf course. And the only other sport that I remember or know of him playing was racquetball. And he did teach me, took me a couple times to the club that he belonged to. Um, and I'm pretty sure I was still a, a prepubescent boy the first couple times that happened. And I remember feeling so awkward inside the change room. And it was open showers, which was pretty common at that time. There were no separate stalls. And I'm looking around and I saw other naked men and I felt kind of some weird self-consciousness because I wasn't sure if I should be looking or why I enjoyed looking at what I was looking at. You know, right down to my dad took me to a Blue Jays game, a baseball game in Toronto. 
when I when he asked me how I enjoyed it, I said, "Yeah, I don't really care. It was all right. Thanks for taking me." And he was happy that I didn't want to go back because he didn't care for any of that stuff. So I guess that was just his upbringing, growing up in Germany in the time of World War II, and maybe those sports weren't available, or maybe his parents, his dad never taught him that stuff. I've actually never asked him. So by either of my parents, I was never forced or expected to join a sports team. I remember I was a kid, I took karate, and I don't know if that was part of gym class or an extension of gym class, but I must have been really young because I didn't, even if I got the first level belt, I don't remember that, but I know I never went past that. So as early as I can remember, other than karate, which was okay, I hated gym class. I tried everything to get out of it. It it seemed to be the place where I stood out as the other, the scrawny, sickly kid that I was, who was also somehow understood to be gay, somehow different. This two experiences at school that really speak to me and my balanced masculine and feminine gender identity upbringing. The first one for me was home economics, which I believe was in grade eight, the last year of my elementary school. And I was at a Catholic elementary school and we had to be bused to a brand new school. And I guess that's why this happened because the new school had a teaching kitchen. Uh, Older schools at that time did not. And I only, I remember being the only boy though. So I don't know if it was an elective at high school. I don't think it was, but it's just, I have a memory of me and all of the other girls. And I loved the class. For me, it was easy and it was fun because I did that stuff at home and I didn't mind doing that stuff home. I I loved to cook, which, you know, I said my mom had taught me. I felt both comfortable and that I was in a creative environment, learning how to eventually take care of myself by being able to cook well. And I felt safe with all those female classmates. In fact, I didn't even feel noticed in any way. I don't remember feeling judged or ostracized. Maybe it's not surprising that I attended chef school uh, a couple of years after high school. And I loved that too, even though I didn't pursue it as a career. So that was sort of the feminine side. And then a masculine side class that I took was, I believe it was in my first year of high school, grade nine, and it was metal working shop. If there were any girls in that class, I don't recall. I think it was just me and all the other boys. And the funny thing is, I still have this beautifully crafted metal hammer that I made from scratch handle and head and all the work that went into making that, I have that and it's my to-go-to hammer that I still use today when something needs hammering at home. Anyway, you know, there was always so much going on in that class. It was a loud class. There was a lot of noise. There were a lot of machines. There were a lot of fans like uh, sucking away um, metal fibers and things like that. And, you know, everybody was wearing uh, protective goggles. And I think, you know, that teacher keeping a close eye on everyone individually doing their work to make sure that no one got hurt, perhaps allowed me to be there, but remain out of sight and almost out of mind. You know, we were working with dangerous machinery, so we were all focused on the task at hand instead of, oh, wait, there's that little fag over there who's making a hammer. Never came up. So it seems... 
looking back, from a really young age, my parents taught me all of the the, the requisite skills, the necessary skills that I would need to take care of myself as an independent person and as an adult. You know, I could grow up not needing a woman because my mom taught me everything she knew about how to play that role, how to cook and care for myself, take care of a home. And I could be the handyman, thanks to my dad, who loved all that sort of work. And I did it all without any macho need to be a man. My dad was simply a good teacher who wanted his son to be with him, just like my mother did. And she wanted her son to be with her, learning basic, necessary skills. So the question I have for myself is, did that put me more Firmly in the middle, somewhere in the gap, somewhere perhaps in like a, a, like on a teeter-totter, one, you know, right there is the fulcrum and I've got my left leg on the side of masculinity and I've got my right leg on the side of femininity, always playing with that little bit of balance. Sometimes I'll lean over just a little bit to the right and play a little bit more feminine in, in, qualities that I embrace or ways in which I act. And other times, maybe I'm going to just go a little bit more to the other side and be a little straighter, a little bit more masculine. Definitely not straighter. Yeah, but more masculine. So that's a that's a bit of a Freudian slip there if I ever had one in a while. So I seem to have always presented somewhere in the middle, at least in my own mind, although other people maybe meeting me for the first time might think otherwise, but I suppose we all have our own representation, a sort of a, a, a non-physical mirror reflection back of what we believe, how we believe ourselves to be perceived by others. I remember when I was in my... It was 19 or 20 or 21, and Torch Song Trilogy had come out in the theaters, uh, the famous play that was written by and and starred in by Harvey Firestein. And I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on VHS tape. Yeah, I'm old, I know. At one point, he's having a serious argument with his mother in the movie, and she, I guess, is just not very accepting, and he has a lot of bitterness towards her. And he just blurts out something, and I wish I knew exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of, it's like, you know, mother, I can take care of myself. And he's got this throaty, raspy voice like this. It's just, it's, I, I can't get over it. I, I love listening to it. But it's like, I can take care of myself. And he explains how he can live completely independent. He doesn't actually need anyone else because he learned everything about the masculine and everything about the feminine from how to cook to how to change a light bulb to how to fix things. He could cook. He could do all the stuff that I could do. And in that moment, I realized how much I was like this character he was portraying in the movie. I might not have been a self-proclaimed sissy who totally owned his extreme femininity that at the time I was certainly very uncomfortable with, but I understood it. I saw it as something that was a part of me, even though I wasn't that extreme to that side. It spoke to me that someone who is a gay man, but on the extreme feminine, can be just as balanced within the the management 
the owning and the expression of the characteristics between the masculine and the feminine and find a balance within that. You know, all of this reminds me of as as a prepubescent boy and then, you know, a, you know, reaching puberty and then being in high school, how I tried too hard with the other boys. It was because I did not know how to be a boy within the status quo. And perhaps that had a lot to do with how my parents brought me up. I also just remembered something. My mother made me wear dress pants until I was in grade seven. She just thought it was important that I should wear nice clothes. And it was a teacher, maybe my homeroom teacher, who I guess at a parent's night, suggested to my mother that part of the problems I had fitting in was because of how I was forced to dress. I was at a public... Okay, I was at... No, that was that was still Catholic school, but there was no uniform. And I had been asking and begging and crying to have a pair of jeans because I was having enough trouble being put outside as the other. I didn't need to be then labeled that faggot that, you know, didn't have a pair of jeans. So it wasn't until a teacher finally stepped up and said, you know, your boy wants to feel like he can belong. <laughs> and I finally got my first pair of jeans that I was allowed to wear in grade seven. I think maybe I knew too much, knowing how to be a woman just as much as I knew how to be a man, and yet I was still too young to understand what that really meant. And there I was, at that relatively young age, standing in the gap, feeling alone, because no one else had been taught to teach me how to exist in that gap, in that place. I didn't know how to accept it because I didn't know how to allow it. And it was almost like a cycle. I didn't know how to allow it because I didn't know how to accept it. So at that time, I did not know who to be, but that was my process of becoming. Oh, I actually just got shivers. That's um, a really interesting moment for me. I, this, this personal journey, um, sort of just showed up last week and I wrote by hand uninterrupted for almost two hours to prepare for um, my previous podcast and this one today. And I hope to be able to take more out of this and continue along this vein of, you know, not just sharing my biography, biography so to speak, because that's not what this podcast is all about, but it very much... I'm unashamed and unafraid to share my story as a way to understand the insights that I have as a way of trying to explain, um, I guess, telling stories as a way to teach and as a way to coach. I would love to hear your feedback about what you thought about this and 
how it relates to you. How was your upbringing? Was there balance or was there imbalance? So please head over to the episode uh, webpage on darrensteel.com and, and leave me a comment. I really enjoy interacting with you. As always, live out and live proud. <laughs>